You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Thursday, March 4th. The Batman arrives. Join Carl and Amy each week as they break it down 20 minutes at a time. at least pull that punch, man. I did. Bob put out an APB on you. You really think he's in on this? I don't trust any of them. Do you? I only trust you. What's Narcotics Cop doing with Falcone's rat, man? Colson said cops protect the rat. Maybe Kinsey's part of it. You think Penguin's the rat? His club caters to the mob. Maroney practically lived there. Penguin would have been privy to a lot of dirt. The DA was regular, too. Maybe Penguin got himself into a jam and working a deal was his only way out. Rada Alada. The what? Riddler's latest. The cipher in the maze. It means a rat with wings, like a stool pigeon. A penguin's got wings, too. Time for me to have another conversation with him. What about the Riddler? He's gonna kill again. It's all connected. Like it or not, it's his game now. We wanna find Riddler. We gotta find that rat. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bat and the Cat podcast. This is chapter four, I Only Trust You, here to break down the next section of 20 minutes of The Batman. Um, Of course, I am Carl, and I've got the cat with me once again. Welcome back, Amy. Thanks, Carl. I am really excited about these scenes of all the noises and explosions and music. I I gotta say, you are really good with sound. I'm obsessed with the sound. (laughs) It, like... I don't know if it takes me back to high school percussion days and like listening to the timpani go, but it's just everything about this sounds in these movies. Just like, I'm so fascinated by it. It it draws me in. And I'm so glad that it does because these are things I certainly do not pick up on. So I, I, uh, I appreciated all the, the awesome little moments of, uh, the sound from from last week's episode. (laughs) Uh, for those of you who continue to join us just as we did last week, um, want to remind you, uh, the timestamps of the movie, just in case you want to follow along um, or, or, or rewatch these to have them fresh in your mind. We are picking up at the one hour, 15 second mark and talking through one hour, 24 minutes and 56 seconds. So that is the next section of the movie. Um, very as we get into this, Amy, we're going to get into a lot of good stuff with with Batman and Jim Gordon, which I'm super excited to talk about. But before all of that, we left Bruce last week. Going into uh, Gotham City Hall for the memorial for Mayor Mitchell. Um, and he bumps into somebody as soon as he goes in. Uh, oh my goodness, I really enjoyed this kind of side character, this bystander who is not pleased um, that Mayor Mitchell is getting any sort of honor in his passing. What did you think about this guy? Yeah, you know. It's really interesting that he sits there and he and he talks about the mayor getting what he deserved because the Batman said something similar to that when they were at the morgue uh, with Jim Gordon. Mm. And it's just, you know, he's hearing this and it's like, whoa, like this other person saying something similar. And you have this this Riddler who considers himself similar to vengeance. And it's like he was kind of hearing this echo of himself in the room. That's so great. Yeah, that's. Oh my goodness, you're right. Um, it's kind of this, 
Um, yeah, I, what a great connection. I did not realize how poignant that is considering how just in a few previous scenes, Batman says to Gordon, you know, he crossed a line, you know, he kind of got what was coming in, in reference to the commissioner. And now we hear somebody saying something similar about Mayor Mitchell. And I think what really grabs me about this is, and of course, as Batman's, you know, driving into the funeral, uh, he sees all these signs for, you know, the Riddler's logo on it. People are kind mm-hmm. of worshiping Riddler as this hero. And, you know, I think this guy represents the part of society that feels forgotten, that feels um, that, you know, those in power just don't give a crap about them. Uh, and again, I think I think that a lot of the social commentary of this movie is updated on purpose to kind of mirror our own culture. Right. You know, thinking of thinking yeah. of the folks who who really rallied behind the previous president. Um, you know, I mean, he he spoke to a group of people that felt forgotten, um, you know, whether or not he delivered anything he promised is another question. But but at least there was something in that message that made a particular population feel seen. And I feel like that's what this character sort of represents in this in this particular story is these are the the angry people who feel forgotten by the system. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like I like your talk about like the representation of it and just the, the, the messaging in it, too. You know, we have Ave Maria mm-hmm. uh, being sung by the choir in the background, just very subtly. Um, and there's a, there's an over, uh, there's a voice doing an announcement over everybody that says to donate to the renewal fund. Um, it's our city's safety net, um, which I also found really interesting since, you know, we know the, what the renewal fund really is. Um, and it's this, this pool for the corruption, um, and just the way that the, everybody's represented and where they're sitting in the funeral is something that's of importance too, because you have all the people in the back who are more you know, kind of like the Riddler, these people that are being forgotten and they're in a darker part of the of the uh, the church where this funeral is taking place. And then as you get further up and you're with more of the upper class of Gotham, you're starting to see it light up a little bit more. People are more social. People are, are standing around each other and like and mingling, networking a little bit. And it's just it's just a different vibe between the two worlds of Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, that's, that's a great point. You know, um, and there's even that one character, right, who who tries to slip in and the police officer grabs him and shoves him back in line. Right. Like, uh, as you indicated, only the elite are allowed in the front where it's light and, you know, and and and, and pretty. Uh, but, yeah, it's all these folks kind of forgotten in the into the dark. Um, and then Bella Real shows up and I love her interaction with Bruce. And, and I'm really hoping we see more of her in the sequel, specifically forming a relationship with Bruce. Um, cause you know, she is similar to kind of what Alfred said earlier to Batman in the movie, right. About his family's legacy. And, um, she's kind of calling Bruce out on the fact that, you know, your, your family's always been known for its philanthropy and giving back to giving back to Gotham. You're not doing anything, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, again, I, I appreciate kind of the social commentary that's, that's being written into this scene. It's, you know, Bella Real is a woman of color. Um, which historically in our culture are people that have long been forgotten, ignored, and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. terrorized even. Um, so it's, it's great to see that she has this space of, um, prominence in the city of Gotham. And it's, I think what's kind of unsettling about it is it, it, it kind of falls on her to call Bruce out on his privilege and just say, Hey, listen, 
you've got all this privilege, you've got all this money, you have all these resources, do something with it. Um, so I, re- I really appreciate this little story beat between them of, of her kind of calling him to task. Yeah, she she's her own symbol of hope, you know, just kind of like Jim Gordon's a symbol of hope for Batman, too. And Batman has his hope for the city. She is the an actual hope for the city and trying to make that real change. But she's under the same stigma of being corrupt, just like the other people have been who have been before her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think she is aware of the extent of corruption? Um, maybe not the full extent, but I think she's aware it's there. Mm. I mean, she's certainly aware that the system's broken, right? She says that in that opening debate that we see on the TV. Um, so yeah, yeah. Interesting. Curious to see, curious, wondering how much she might actually be aware of. Um, but all that to say, she's, she is using her place of prominence to try to, again, call to task those who aren't doing anything that have the means to, um, which I certainly think is a really important message. Um, Amy, I got to say one of my favorite parts, though, about this uh, this little scene is good old Officer Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> He's so excited to see um, Bruce Wayne. Mr. You Wayne. Are Martinez. <laughs> I love Officer Martinez. <laughs> He's so it's so delightful. And he's it, right. It's just such a contrast to when he first sees Batman earlier in the film. Whoa, 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 whoa you know? Yeah. Um, and now he's all excited to see Bruce Wayne. Um, and I, his excitement and, and just kind of the warmth, you know, he's got that adorable smile again, kind of mirroring just, you know, in, in, in that previous scene of, of Bruce getting out of the car and the media kind of going nuts and everybody excited that the prince of the city is there. I think even Officer Martinez in that just that elation at seeing Bruce Wayne is a reminder that Gotham is in need of Bruce as well. Right. They don't just need Batman. They need Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny because Bruce Wayne sees the need for Batman, but doesn't really know who he is as Bruce Wayne, really. And, and just this he's awkward around everybody. Uh, when he's not in his own mask. So it's just interesting to see how he changes personalities based on when he's behind the mask and when he's not. That, I love that, Amy. That's, that is a, a, a great point that will of course come up, you know, later in the film when he, when he has his interrogation scene with the Riddler, oh, yeah. but that, that reality of he does, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to be Bruce. <laughs> you know, he's also learning how to be Batman in this film. I think that's still the main drive of the story is, is, how does he be, how does he really be Batman? Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate that you're pointing out, right. He's, he's awkward in his Bruce Wayne skin. So incredibly awkward. Um, now he get there's that little moment again, where he makes eye contact with Mayor Mitchell's son, um, which is interestingly enough, the boy doesn't get a name in the movie. As far as I know, I, I always forget to check the credits to see if he's I mean, he's obviously in the credits, but I'm curious if it's just like Mitchell's son or something like that, because he certainly doesn't get named in the film. Yeah, I don't recall his name either. Um, ever being mentioned. Yeah, but it's so as the car, you know, is 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 the D.A. comes crashing through in, in the SUV. The first person to notice up on the banister, Paul Dano's Riddler, is the boy, you know, and, and Batman or Bruce is looking at the boy and notices him looking up. And that's when Bruce sees Riddler for the first time. 
Yeah, and he just looks like a shadow up yeah. there too, which is crazy. Perfectly silhouetted, you know, it, it kind of washes out any, you know, Bruce is not able to probably make out any sort of concrete facial details. Uh, no, but, you know, this is one thing I love about this scene, too, is, you know, as the vehicle's approaching, you're hearing just these these screams from afar and mm. then it slowly gets louder. And you also just like you hear a car driving fast, which you could just hear just driving on your street if you're even just sitting on your porch and not think anything of it. But you're hearing all these screams just slowly get louder and louder as it gets closer to the church and no one really knows what's going on right now. And Bruce is focused on this boy and, and, and having this, you know, probably a, a connection yeah. again, just like seeing, seeing him standing there um, from his past and then, yeah, making the eye contact with the Riddler and then boom. And then it's just like chaos again. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. And what, what I find really interesting is, Bruce just springs into action to, to, to save the boy, right? The car's barreling yeah. down on the, on the mayor's son. And there goes lanky Bruce sprinting as fast as he can to save the boy. And I, I mean, I imagine this is not particularly intentional on, on Matt Reeves part, but it, I do find it interesting that like, as Bruce stands up with the boy, you know, his mother grabs, grabs her son and everybody's kind of checking on him. Nobody gives a crap about Bruce. <laughs> Nobody seems to check on him. Like, are you okay? <laughs> I just find it kind of funny. And I don't know if that's just like a quick little oversight. Doesn't really matter. Maybe people don't know how to be with Bruce Wayne, but I just find it funny that after he saves this boy's life <laughs> nobody responds to him it's it's such a quick moment too like Mm. you're so focused on yourself or you know i mean if you have a child you're focused on the child that you don't really think about the other people yeah that are there either i mean nobody probably even noticed that bruce wayne just saved this kid they probably think his mother just grabbed him and pulled Mm. him out of the way you know it just all happened so fast good point yeah (laughs) and uh when colson gets out of the car and it's you know clearly wearing a bomb around his neck when the when the police officer yells there's a bomb around his neck and everybody freaks out you see everybody we get this really great long shot by from from Greg Frazier um who's the cinematographer who again kind of kind of annoying he didn't get an Oscar nod for this movie it's another reminder that the Oscars are so pretentious <laughs> um but uh, I enjoyed those shows for that reason yeah same here I I don't, I don't care about artsy fartsy pretentious stuff. Um, but, uh, all that to say there's, it gives us this great wide shot where we see everybody kind of ducking down, right? Everybody ducks in terror, but you notice, I don't know. Did you notice who doesn't duck at all? Oh, wow. No, I didn't notice that. That's, that's Bruce. Bruce just stands still as a rail. He doesn't, he doesn't cower. He doesn't get afraid of it at all. He's, he is, it's just like basically him and and Jim Gordon and a couple of the cops. But if, if you look at that wide shot and everybody around Bruce obviously like hunkers down and screams and everybody's, you know, hiding in terror. But Bruce is just standing there staring at it. And a further reminder of something he shares with Alfred earlier, right? This kind of almost nihilistic approach of like, you know, I don't care what happens to me if I don't have an effect. It's it's in this scene. It's like he just doesn't care if that bomb goes off, whatever. Like he just right. He, he, he's going to tell Alfred later in the movie. I'm not afraid to die. Um, and and that had me thinking about uh, a really important theme in Dark Knight Rises when when Bruce is in that pit recovering from the broken back. And he you know, he tries twice to climb out and fails the, the first two times. And he's talking with the one 
the one doctor who's in the pit who who basically calls him out and he says, you know, you think that by not being afraid of death that it makes you strong, but it actually makes you weak. You know, if how can you how can you go the distance? How can you how can you fight the longest if you don't have a tremendous respect for life? Um, so I just I found that interesting how our Bruce in this story at this point has no fear of death, which in his eyes is probably a strength, but ultimately it's a weakness. Yeah, I, I really like your connection with that, Carl. And, you know, it makes me think, too, like, does whenever there's like some kind of catastrophe, does he just automatically switch to Batman brain? Because that's what he knows better. Mm. And he's sitting there, you know, studying what what just happened, what's going on, who do I see, what like, like, what do I do? And kind of freezes in a moment because he's not in his Batman outfit. So there's only so much he can do as Bruce um, without people, you know, seeing him do something. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, uh, sorry. Another yeah. thing too that yeah. when the vehicle came in, I love the way that there's like a tic tac toe board and it says D O A D A across different parts of it, and it's just it's just so morbid that it's like you know it says dead on arrival that you you know this guy is gonna die. Like it's yeah. not it's not anything you know it's just morbid and just like crazy the way the way it's written there with D O A and D A and it like it stood out to me the last time I watched it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, in the, the uh, honestly, like the first few times I watched the movie, I don't think I really paid much attention to what was painted on it. It, it almost just felt like Joker graffiti or something, right? Something silly. <laughs> but yeah, it, you're right. It, there's, there's such a morbidity to it. Um, and here's what's funny. So when Riddler abducts Gil Colson, right, we see in the previous scene, obviously there's no writing on the car. So he took the time while Gil's in the car. Mm-hmm. to spray paint it <laughs> yeah i mean that i don't mean to laugh like it is pretty more i wonder maybe he made gil do it <laughs> it's knows? a puzzle yeah he lost his puzzles yeah um well it so they the police then create this perimeter right they're gonna send in the bomb squad uh try to figure out what to do about this bomb around his neck and what i love is once again the way the batman shows up it's yeah. Almost the same as the opening of the film. We hear the boots first. We get this shot, like looking down a dark hallway and then boom, he emerges. Right. Out of it, the shadows. Out of the shadows once again. Yeah. yeah it's so good. Um, and uh, I mean, the first thing that just comes to mind is like, I just find it f- hilarious how this tight police perimeter Batman has no problem getting through. <laughs> 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 but the thing that I love most is we get that shot of the the SWAT officer, right? And he he when he sees the Batman walking through, he just goes, "Holy shit!" And it's yeah. it, personally, I I think swear words are really powerful words to use in certain spaces, right? I think like anybody that's just like swearing is so bad. It's like no, 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 swear words have have meaning, they have impact, and and I love the way it's used here. And it's similar to again the beginning of the film after he rails down the first attacker. Right. And he rises up. You hear the rest of the gang. Somebody says, oh, shit, it's him. Right. And here's and it's now it's a, almost a different take. The first one is one of just straight fear, like, oh, shit, it's the Batman, the one who beats the hell out of criminals. But this holy shit to me is almost like it's almost like a religious awe. Like, I can't believe he just appeared. Right. Because, again, they never they didn't see him get through or anything. He just he just appears again. And I to like my interpretation of this police officer, you know, in that moment 
is he's just like totally blown away. It's, it's like, where did he come from? Um, so I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that point, Carl. And you know, they're, they're talking about outside with Gordon, like Gordon, what's your guy doing? He's going to get himself killed in there. And, you know, I, I wonder if some of them are, are leaning towards the, you know, like they don't really know how they feel about the Batman yet. So like, you know, maybe would it be a relief if he's gone? You know, you're either corrupt and he, it's, it's a relief if he's gone. Maybe you think he's a villain and he's working with Riddler. Um, and so, you know, like if he's in there too, there's gotta be a way to possibly have this situation work out in their favor. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, and (laughs) so as you know, Batman approaches him, you know, and, and kind of engages Gil Coulson, um, you know, he, he, he takes that phone call. He finally has his first interaction with the Riddler. Can we just, the longest phone ring ever. Oh my God. And yes. it's just like, Colson's just standing there like, will you, and just like lifts up his hand and like <laughs> the Batman takes the time to read the note and yeah. like look at the card and like the card just telling him to answer the phone in the first place. And it's just like, this phone's just been ringing for who knows how long while the bomb squad's been in there. Nobody, nobody's answered it. Nobody's touched it. They're just like, they don't know what's going to happen. And then finally the Batman answers it. It just, it, it was a, it was a giggling moment for me. Yeah. It does ring for a very long time. <laughs> um, and uh, I think even the, it, it's almost like it had to be Batman to answer the phone. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the police force uh, before they send in their little bomb cart, um, may think that, gee, if we, if we answer the phone call, that might be the trigger for the bomb. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Batman's thinking the same thing, but again, kind of to that previous point I made, whatever is kind of his perspective is like, if this kills me, it kills me. Um, and you see when he goes to, you know, answer the phone, like Gil Coulson, like, you know, he tightens his eyes. He, you know, he clenches right up thinking this could be it. Um, now, what I found really interesting, um, I was listening to the uh, director commentary uh, just this morning, and Matt Reeves talked about how this scene was actually filmed with the with both Paul Dano and and Rob in different parts of the set on the cell phone. Like that is an actual cell phone FaceTime call oh, um, nice. that they're doing. So it's it's all exactly as it as it appears on screen. It's that's exactly what they're doing. Paul Dano is in a different different part of the set on a cell phone they're on it they're on you know in this other part of the set taking the cell phone call so i just yeah. thought that was really neat that's awesome I, I mean i really like that this movie does a lot more of the realistic scenes and you know another one we'll talk about the car chase in a little bit too but it just has more realism to, to the feel of a lot of this movie i love it yeah now <laughs> what do you think about when when he you know he indicates like everybody's welcome to come to the trial and he's live streaming it. Yeah. You know, just even, even when the Batman asked the Riddler, you know, who are you? His answer is just, I'm nobody. Mm. You know, like he, he doesn't say I'm vengeance. I'm Riddler. I'm this. He's just, I'm nobody. I'm just, you know, I'm in the shadows. I'm forgotten. I'm just, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just here as an instrument to unmask the cesspool we call a city. And we get back to this theme of unmasking Mm -hmm. and, you know, it makes it sound like he's describing the city in a way that it has its own dark mask where it's showing its true colors. 
Um, and if it needs to be unmasked so the city can finally find a way to heal and uh, get rid of, you know, all, all the things that are bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and mm. sorry, Carl, the, no. the live stream, you, you know, you mentioned that and we're seeing like all these heart emojis come up and the viewers are just, it's just increasing into the thousands. It's, it's insane. Yes. Right. And, and uh, Matt Reeves has talked several times about one of the themes he wanted to indicate with the Riddler is mob mentality, right? Not, not like the Italian mafia mob, but like mob mentality, right? You, you start to trigger something in a group of people and it just kind mm-hmm. of, it, it kind of snowballs. Um, and if, if you pause and read some of the comments that these people are writing in the live stream, they're pretty dark. Like uh, there's a bunch of like dynamite emojis. Um, yep. People are like, let him burn. Um, like it, it, again, kind of further eliciting how angry the people of Gotham are as they're learning more and more about the corruption. Um, it's it's pretty sick. You know, I mean, it, it pulls back to the the realism of this film itself like we live in a world now where anything you do could be live streamed mm. i mean we're probably on so many different people's videos that we don't even know who these people are but we're in mm-hmm. a background somewhere yeah. or there's something going on like we just live in this world where everything is public mm-hmm. yeah um what the which oh, that's a you saying that, Amy, just actually also makes me think of another theme in Dark Knight Rises, which is Selena's Catwoman Selena story in there. She's after this device that'll erase her her past, right? Because she wants us to have a fresh start. Um, and she even makes this comment like any, you know, any 10 year old with a cell phone can figure everything out about your life. So it, I I appreciate how you're noticing almost like that was a theme even 10 years ago that is now being looked at again because it's even more true today. Mm-hmm. Um, which is there's a there's a there's a scariness to that. Um, but uh, so Riddler, you know, has this sham game, you know, I'm going to give you three riddles. You figure them out. I let you go. It it, it makes me think of uh, do you remember the original Scream movie? Yeah, of course. So right. That <laughs> opening that opening quiz they play with uh, uh, Drew Barrymore's, Drew Barrymore's character. character. Thank you. Right. Which clearly they're they're setting something up that she can't win. Do you think the same is true here for Riddler? So if, right, if, if Gil Coulson had named Falcone, right? Like when, when that last riddle comes up, you know, who is the rat? If he had said it, do you think the Riddler would have let him live? You know, I, I've wondered that as I, as I've rewatched the movie too, I, I lean towards, I think so. I think he Hmm. would let him live. Um, you know, he just wants to to unmask this and show people what's what's been going on. And it, it just it just shows that, you know, this whole theme of fear too, of fear being a powerful instrument that Coulson is more afraid of Falcone than the Riddler. Mm. And that's pretty terrifying, too, because, you know, the Riddler will just take his life. And it's probably, you know, the. The, the sacrifice that Colson made was probably the the most honorable thing he did from at least from what we've seen him do, um, you know, to save his family. Cause they, he says that the rat would, would kill his family, kill his kids, kill any, like anybody he cares for. So it would go much deeper than just him losing his own life. Yeah. Yeah. Which, right. And, and I think that's, it's indicating like you kind of pointed out who's the scarier threat here. You know, um, and in Colson's eyes, like, yeah, I I'll die here. But mm-hmm. if I do this, my whole family's dead and I'm not going to do that. 
And um, it, just it, it, I want to note that as Riddler's playing the game, Coulson would have been totally screwed if Batman hadn't been there. <laughs> um, <laughs> he wouldn't have got, even gotten the first riddle. I mean, to be fair, neither would I. <laughs> like, I'm not good at riddles. But it, it, I just like that it, it's, it's a, a reminder of, once again, Matt Reeves telling us that this is detective Batman, right? He is His mind is just so keen and sharp. I mean, he knows the answers to all these riddlers, these riddles right away. I, I really I really enjoy that little point. You know, and the second riddle, the what is the price for the blind eye when they're talking about the bribe and the Batman's like, how much, how much? And, you know, mm. I was expecting some really big number from Colson to say, like, to make him go corrupt. But he said for $10,000, he was willing to do this. No, it's 50 G a month. It's a lot. Oh, I thought it was 10,000. No, he gets 50,000 a month. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, it's a okay, lot. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah, I always yeah. heard the 10,000. I'm like, 10,000. What? Like you did this for that? Yeah, no, he says 50 G's a month. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. So Thank it's a you lot. Thank for correcting me. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> good. That was like, I'm like, how is this even possible? Like, what what are you what kind of world do you live in? The 10K matters to you. You probably make more than that. Right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, in a year's time, he's making you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, but I like that, you know, but when Batman says how much the first time and he, he's still ignoring it, I love the, like when he yells at him, how much, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it's the first time we really hear him raise his voice. Um, yeah. cause he, right. Again, Rob kind of cultivates this almost like gruff whisper, which is so hot. Um, <laughs> when he yells at him there, I kind of like that. I also, I'm just like, Ooh, yell at me. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, the Batman in previous scenes, too, talked about people crossing a line. So it's kind of like him getting an answer from somebody. How much did it cost for you to cross this line mm. and not do your job? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, great point. You know, that's so similar to kind of his disposition towards the commissioner. Um, you know, uh, you you people are getting played and you're letting it happen. Um <laughs> But uh, so so uh, right before the bomb goes off, you know, and 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 Gil indicates that he's just not he's not going to do this. He's not going to give up Falcone because, again, the 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 price would be too high. I do find it just chilling because Coulson knows he is going to die in a matter of seconds here, and his last words is. Uh, Hold on, I wrote them down because I want to make sure I get them right. Yeah. Oh God, please have mercy on me. Um, you know, it, it's. I just find that really telling. Like he knows he's about to die, and I think there's something in. I mean, at least in Western culture, where Christianity is kind of very prevalent throughout our culture, people just inevitably in this state of fear is just like, oh God, I hope I'm not screwed in the afterlife or something, right? But it's just. It's just this this moment of sheer acceptance on Coulson's part. And I don't know, in my eyes, there is something vaguely heroic about it. I mean, I, I hate saying that because he's obviously a corrupt uh, person, but he does go out protecting people he loves. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, yeah, he's he's backed himself into this corner, but he refuses to make anybody else suffer for his mistakes. Um, and I. I don't know. I just, I find that like, yeah, weirdly heroic almost. What do you think? Am I being too yeah. nice to Gil Coulson? <laughs> no, you know, and yeah, I think some of it's that fear, but I, I like that he, you know, 
didn't give in and potentially save his own life just to cause the torture and death of people he loves who are innocent and didn't do anything. Mm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so and that bomb goes off. Obviously, this is a PG-13 movie, so we don't need any sort of blood and gore, which, again, I, I, I appreciate. I don't need that. But I will in this chunk of movie we're about to talk about, Amy, this is the first kind of ridiculous thing that Batman survives. <laughs> so a bomb goes off feet from him. And yes, he obviously has armor and stuff, but all it really does is knock him out. <laughs> He's pretty. Yeah. Lucky. <laughs> and you hear the ringing in his ears. Yeah. And... Honestly, I'm kind of over that trope in movies these days. I feel like the first time I remember it being a big thing was in Saving Private Ryan. Um they used it a lot in the opening sequence on Omaha beach and now movies use it. I think way too much. It's just, I don't know, silly to me. Um, it makes sense. This, this movie is a very much POV type type stuff. So it's getting, giving us Batman's POV. Um, but what I do find this is this, this following sequence with him in the police headquarters, the fact that, you know, he's been out for a, a good chunk of time, right. For them to have picked him up, taken him to probably to an ambulance, taken mm-hmm. him to police headquarters. And in all of that time, no one takes his mask off. And there's really only one reason for that. Jim Gordon, his BFF, yeah, I right? I, I find that, I mean, I almost find it shocking that the, the initial SWAT agents that rush in don't just do it out of their own sheer curiosity. Um, but I also wonder, you know, <laughs> Once that bomb goes off, I wouldn't be surprised if Gordon is leaping over the barriers himself and running right in. Uh, what do you think? I mean, because right, it, it, Gor- Jim oh, is yeah. Jim Gordon is the reason he doesn't get that mask take, taken off while he's unconscious. Oh, I completely agree with that, and I'm sure you know it's probably even crossed Jim Gordon's mind of the idea like, oh, this would be my chance to see who he is, but mm-hmm. you know, does he really want to know who he is? Can we, let's explore that question just for a hot second because. <laughs> <laughs> um, Right earlier in the movie, when they're when they're investigating the cars together and he, he's like, you don't trust Batman says, him, you don't trust me. He's like, it's been two years, man. I don't even know who you are. I almost feel like for for Jim Gordon, he respects what Batman is doing so much that if you want to tell me who you are, I will take that to the grave, but I will not force it out of you. What What do you think? Like, what do you do you think he really wants to know um, or is he very content with not knowing? You know. I feel like he knows who he is to him and Mm. that's all he needs right now. He doesn't need to know who's behind the mask because he knows who the person is with the mask. Um, And it could change his perspective on, on Batman too, if he saw who he really was. That's a great point, right? Yeah. Almost like, um, it's almost like it would rob him of his faith, right? Like I, I, I believe in the Batman. I don't need to know who's behind it. Right. It, 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 w- it would take something away from the experience in a way. Um, and I think he also clearly respects the fact that the Batman wears a disguise for a reason, right? He's doing it to not only protect himself from the law, but obviously protect people in his life. So I feel like Jim Gordon sees that and respects it. So I, I mean, I feel like this is just, this is probably the most important scene for Jim Gordon and Batman, because in this moment of complete vulnerability, right? Like Batman is completely indisposed. They could have done anything they wanted, but he is safe in his identity because of Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I just, I just find that so beautiful. Yeah. I, their relationship is fantastic to me and the trust that they have between each other too. I mean, 
it, it's like a trust that Jim doesn't seem to have with his own police officers. Yeah. Well, that's very, that's very much true, but you know, you know what, Amy, there is one police officer that Jim can count on. <laughs> Who is it, Carl? Officer Martinez. <laughs> so what's great is once Batman, you know, there's that one officer that then is eventually just like, well, come on, let me just pull this off. And as he goes to pull it, you do. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, too, like as he's coming to you, hear somebody say what's around his eyes, which just I love that. Like, yeah, because he's got that that super awesome face paint. Mm-hmm. Um, but as that one officer goes to pull the cowl off, you will see. I mean, it's obviously very quick, but as I've indicated, I've watched this quite a few times. Um, <laughs> if you watch that shot, though, you will see immediately Jim Gordon also reach in to grab that officer's hand. Um, even as Batman springs into action, Jim is immediately going for his defense as well. And as Batman is kind of like shoving the officers around, you will get a quick shot of Officer Martinez pushing an officer away from Batman. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't notice that. And in something you said uh, last last time we were talking, Amy, is that in in your way of seeing it is Martinez doesn't necessarily care as much about Batman or believe in him as he does Gordon. Right. So he's more doing this out of respect for Gordon. I think that's still true. Um, I think he's following Gordon's lead. Um, Gordon is going to continue to protect Batman in this scene. So Martinez kind of uh, just mirrors what Gordon is doing. So I don't know if it's so much Martinez is trying to protect Batman's identity. I think he is just as curious as his peers. But when he sees Jim Gordon defending it, he's on Jim's side. So that's uh, just love Mr. Martinez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. Um. But uh, yeah, you know, what do you how do you how do you take Batman just standing tall here, you know, as and as the new commissioner comes in, right, and basically reads like threats to him, like, you know, you could be an accomplished accomplice to murder here. Right. Uh, you interfered in a police investigation. Batman just stands tall. And not only that talks right down to him, you know, like indicating that even this commissioner is also mm-hmm. corrupt. Uh, what do you take away from that? I mean, it just. You know, Batman's trying to study people, I think, Mm. and figure out who is and who isn't. And his only trust is in Jim Gordon and nobody else in that room. And I love I love how Jim, like, gets up on him and is like acting all like, oh, I'm with these guys now. And you you all better get out of here while I do this. And then's like slowly whispering to the Batman of like, I got you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Just like like they're like, I'm putting on an act. How'd I do? (laughs) (laughs) I love when he else in, you know, in the officers all leave and he goes up to Batman and, you know, punches him right into the chest. I weirdly enjoy that quick little moment only because like he he swag, he 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 throws a decent punch at him, but it doesn't even like move him. I just appreciate it because, again, it's just showing like he's really wearing armor like it's going to take a lot. Like the only way you can incapacitate him is to punch him in the face really hard. (laughs) <laughs> but he knows how to defend those blows. Um, so I just, I appreciate that. And, um, but yeah, as they have this little whisper conversation again, it's to me, there's almost like adorableness in it. It's like two best friends oh, just whispering, know. <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't want anybody else to hear their little secrets. Well, um, you get away maybe because you punch me, man. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yep. So, Rob smiles exactly three times in the movie. The first time is his, his, his fake little smile at Alfred, you know, when he's putting on the cufflinks. And then when he's like, he's like, he's like, we got to get you out of here. That'll put a lot of heat on you. So you punch me in the face and he just smiles and nods. (laughs) 
Uh, and his final smile is uh, a little bit later when he talks to Selena, but we'll get to that in, in another in another episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, Batman almost is amused by this. Like, okay, I will happily punch you in the face. <laughs> Well, like when they get outside too, the Gordon says to him, you could have pulled the punch, man. And yep. he's like, I did. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. I love them. Yeah, I do too. Um, and as Batman makes a break for it, I, I just, I don't know why Amy, but I love the shot of him running down the hallway. Cause again, Rob is just like tall and lanky and he looks like a tall and lanky doofus in a Batman suit running down a hallway. <laughs> like it, it's exactly what it is. It's very Adam Westy almost. It's almost like goofy. Yeah. Um, and then, and then when he gets into the hallway and shoots the grappling gun, it, this is such a Batman Begins shot. We yes. we basically saw that shot in Batman Begins. Well, like it's like it's like all the Batmans. Like that's what yes. it's. It reminded me of Michael Keaton. It reminded me of Al Kilmer. Like it's just like that's what they do. Like they yeah. shoot it up and then they go up in the air and like they shoot it up. Everybody's staring, and it's like, here I am, Batman, going up. Yeah, bye. As he's going up, he's going, na 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 So when he gets onto the top of the building and is about to, I love his quick little, like, oh, like, do you think he's afraid of heights, or is it just, like, more of, like, holy shit, I'm going to do this? Yeah, I think I think it was a little higher than he expected it to be, too, because, you know, he goes like straight down vertical and then he starts flying horizontally and it's like it's working, it's working. And then, bam, it stops working. <laughs> it just, like, made it so real that like this person's got these cool gadgets and trying something out and just has an epic fail moment. And it's like all oh, that hurt. <laughs> Yeah, well, and this and this is that other moment where it's just like for, you know, this movie overall is is really aiming to be as realistic as possible that he is not getting up and walking away that easily from that accident. No. <laughs> you know? um, and, you know, here in my mid 30s, Amy, every time I watch that scene, him get up and he's just like, oh, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I feel that just watching this. You feel the lower back pain. <laughs> yeah. You have to call out of work that day. Oh, also, where did he get it? Where do you get the replacement cape, Amy? You think he just carries them around? Is it in the Batmobile or what? Where's where do you get the extra cape? Oh yeah, he's got it hidden somewhere. Okay, okay. I kind of I really There's like the a look of for everything, Carl. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the look of him without the cape for some reason. It's just really cool. Like it's it's just a neat shot of getting to see the whole costume without it being uh, uh, covered up by the cape. Yeah, he looks good with or without the cape. I'll take it either way. Yep, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's shoot it up. <laughs> oh, but yeah, and then and then we get this really really great scene with him and Gordon once again. Um and uh, uh you know, we had this conversation uh previously Amy about who's turning on the bat signal. Um it, once again, it seems like Batman probably turned it on in this scene, right? Like he goes up there and is waiting for Jim. <laughs> yeah. They, the, these two are just amazing. I, I, I can't s- stop saying it. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I, I just love how well they, they do together. Um, and you know, they're, they're like having this talk back and forth of trying to figure out, you know, what do the riddles mean? How, how do we figure out who, who is this rat? Like trying to define it together. And I like that. It's not just, you know, Batman giving this dialogue or Jim saying, like trying to like talk about it. It's like, their combined brain in this moment, figuring this out. Exactly. Yeah. They're a team. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think it's really neat to note that, like, as you said, right, there's just this, 
there's this really great back and forth as they're, as they're figuring this out together. Um, because I think later in the movie, and we'll talk more at depth when we get there, but in that interrogation scene, right? Like Riddler thinks he and Batman are a team, right? Um, mm. No, no, no. He's actually on a team with just Jim Gordon. Um, and, and you know, when when Jim first walks out on there and starts, you know, <laughs> makes the joke about not pulling the punch. Um, you know, and I honestly like commented a few times about his fighting technique. I do appreciate a line like that because it is it's a reminder of. He, he's not a big bulking hulk of a human, but man, can he throw a punch, mm-hmm. right? And once again, if you're constantly having to fight, having knowing how to throw a really good punch is the most important thing you can do. Um, but, uh, and, and of course, you know, I almost feel like Batman's checking in with him, you know, like he, he knows that they've put an APB out on him. Like now the, now the cops are going to be after him. He's like, I don't trust them. And, and Gordon, I love his line. I only trust you. Um, all he cares about is Batman. He believes in him and they're as a team, they're going to figure this out. And they, in this moment, they're like, we got to go talk to the penguin again. Yeah. Well, they're leaning towards the penguin as the rat right now. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I loved, I love to, you know, there's this moment where it's almost like Batman becomes a little submissive to the Riddler because he says it's the Riddler's game now. Yep. So, you know, he, he's having this acceptance that he has to play this game. He has to solve this crime Riddler's way or else he's not going to ever figure out who the Riddler is. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of following up with that, Amy, it almost seems like he's okay with that for right now. Um, In so far as like, yeah, I mean, because right. Jim is still like, well, how we got to get the Riddler. We got to get the Riddler. And Batman's just like, no, no, no. Hold on a second. This we, we, Unfortunately, we have to play his game. So let's go to yeah. the next. Let's go to the next logical step. And I like that Jim's just like, okay, I'm with you. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, the the music in this scene is some of my favorite music. Uh, it's. It, I mean, it's it's a another uh, take on the Batman theme, but it's got this really awesome uh, hi hat and snare drum action. It's just Michael Giacchino just crushes it with this score. Um, so I love the the music that's playing as they're you know kind of spying on them in the rain. Um, And when Batman reveals to Gordon that this, that the drops operation is still in full swing, right? This thing that supposedly the GCPD took down, right? They took down Maroney and his entire operation. And now they're learning it was all a fraud. Um, This is Jim learning that kind of this thing that he probably felt a tremendous amount of pride about, right? Like he worked that case. He helped shut that, what he thought he thought he'd, helped shut down that drops business that Maroney had. And now he's learning that that's not the case, that it was just a ploy. What do you think? What do you, how do you think? I mean, granted, he doesn't have a lot of time to stop and think about it in this moment, but what do you think that might do to Jim? I mean, you know, there's constant talk of, you know, there, there's corruption in the cops. There's corruption in the system. There's, you know, somebody's hiding something. Somebody's hiding a rat. This is the first time he's actually been able to see it with his own eyes. So it's like putting that, all these thoughts and ideas people are telling him about and putting into his head. Now he's actually seeing it for himself. And I think it's, it's becoming more real to him. So it's, I don't, I don't think there's much shock there, but it's just kind of, you know, now, now he knows this is for real. Yeah. And do you think that that will make him, and of course we'll probably know, we'll learn more. And I mean, in the sequel, but do you think that'll make him more convicted to double down on, 
almost being a force of redemption for the GCPD or him of just saying, boy, I really can't trust them. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have to rely on Batman even more. I I think it's going to bring him to his own version of having to clean out the cesspool. Mm. Um, You know, like, I mean, Batman back when they were in, in the police station points out Kenzie and he's like, Kenzie moonlights for Falcone. What? Or moonlights (laughs) for the penguin. And it's just like, you know, he it's he's starting to come to this realization that Batman's going to know who. So I think he's going to rely on him in that way because he can get into places that Gordon can't. But I see him trying to clean it up himself in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I Because I, and, and I'm with you, too, in, in that regard, because I do think I think Jim Gordon believes in what the police force is supposed to represent. Like, I think that's the thing is I think. And, and, and Martinez is going to be one of them as well. And I, gosh, I really hope he's back in the sequel. Um, not just because I think he's an ad- adorable character in the <laughs> film, but I do think like he is he's an important character in this movie. Um, and I'd like to see more of him in, in, in the sequel. Um, that said, though, yeah, I, I kind of like you're saying, I, I see Jim wanting to hold to what the what the police force is supposed to be. You know, it's supposed to be this force for good that protects people. And, and looks after people. Um, that's, that's exactly what he's hoping Batman will be, you know, is this force of protection. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I could see him, I could see him growing closer to Bella Real too. Yeah. She does her own cesspool cleaning. Yes. Yeah. And obviously this is fast forwarding all the way to the end, but when she's giving her kind of press conference at the end of the movie, Jim is right to the right of her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, great. Oh, great. That's a great connection too. Um, but then Amy, things get complicated cause you girl, <laughs> cause somebody shows up. <laughs> yeah. She shows up and uh, I love that. He's, uh, things just got complicated. What do you mean? <laughs> he doesn't respond though. He doesn't tell him why he just, he just goes down to talk to her. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're out with your guys and he's like, Oh, here comes the girlfriend. And now things are going to get complicated because she didn't know I went out with you tonight and she didn't know I was staking out and I don't know what she's doing here, but I better go have a conversation so she doesn't get mad. <laughs> oh, well, and we get a new take on Catwoman's whip. I mean, it's more of like a bike chain than an actual like leather whip. Um, yeah, I mean, you you are the Catwoman connoisseur in a way that I'm certainly not. You've tackled all of her iterations. What do you think of this kind of next step in, and just kind of her, her physicality? I really like it. Cause you know, it's, it's similar to this version of the Batman, right? Like she fights very realistically. Um, I mean, she kicks some ass in this. Mm-hmm. Scene. Sure does. <laughs> um, and you know, it's just like, just like we've talked about with the Riddler's outfit and the Batman's outfit, like her, she's very, she knows how to use uh, things that are, you know, are not as affordable for people and make use of what she can. And I think she, she just finds good ways to do that. And her on her bike and having the chain, it just makes sense (laughs) to have something like that. Yeah. And, and, and I like how she uses it almost, it's almost Batman-esque, right? She loops the guy from under the car, right? She's, you know, a, a, a very, she fights from the shadows, right? Use, use things to your advantage. Um, and clearly is a powerful kicker because she takes the one guy with one kick to the face and it puts him out. <laughs> She's quick like a cat. Yeah, she is. Um, <laughs> well, and, and and I think like when Batman rolls up on her and, you know, Jesus, is this how you get your kicks, hon? Scaring girls in the dark? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think once again, 
I, I love that he says things just got complicated because I think it's a, it's a very meta comment. Like it's really like she's complicated his worldview. I think yeah. it, much more than that. And I think he is genuinely perplexed. Why is she here? Right. Like he's still trying to make sense of like, is she a good guy or is she a bad guy? Right. It's he's still kind of missing out on the nuance of the gray. Um, and, uh, it, you know, his his initial interpretation is just, I mean, he's, he, again, he's, he's being very accusatory, like just mm-hmm. another score here for you here to get some money. You know, be careful, though. These are dangerous people. And then they find Annika's body. Um, and I think what's so impressive is the way, once again, Rob sells so much with just his eyes. So obviously Zoe Kravitz acts it wonderfully. And, you know, just that look of shock and horror that comes over her face, seeing her best friend in a bag, in a, in a trunk. Um, but then we also see Batman seeing her reaction. And I think that there is a genuine sense of compassion for him in that moment for her you know mm-hmm. like this is her finding a dear friend a, a beloved friend dead and i think he reacts to that well yeah i mean it's a sign of her humanity mm-hmm. it's not you know like it's no more is she good is she bad anymore she's she is feeling something and he knows the feeling of loss yeah yeah well they don't have mon to to, to think about it because then he gets shot multiple times <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it's crazy, too, because when Peng, uh, Penguin sees him there and he calls him Vengeance. Yes. You know, doesn't call him the Batman. So, like, you know, he's known by this name as Vengeance um, and he just thinks he's there to rob him. So, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, like he just thinks he's another another goon just looking to get a, a score. Right. Uh, and 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 um, as he's laying there on the on the floor we see we see selena hide then and she is visibly scared she's not she's not covered in bulletproof armor right if penguin comes around that corner of the car and sees her there she's probably dead mm-hmm. and i think she she also knows that um oh actually before we before we get into him then hopping in his car to intimidate <laughs> worth noting as soon as he gets shot who rolls up who rolls up, Carl? The bestie. His BFF rolls up. <laughs> Jim Gordon loves also saying, he says Jesus so many times. And I love the way he says Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. He just like zooms in on the car, gets out and just starts opening fire to try to protect his friend. You know, um, and we do see him. He he shoots one of the goons. Uh, I don't know if it's a kill shot or not, but we do see one guy get hit and fall down. Um, so it kind of an indicator that Jim Gordon is capable in these situations. Mm-hmm. Um. But but not much he can do. He's pinned down by multiple people with automatic weapons. Selena's now hiding, also terrified. Uh, we look back to the ground again. Of course, he's gone. And then, Amy, what did you think when you first heard that Batmobile turn on? Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. It's just it's so badass. It's like <laughs> it was like a bat out of hell kind of thing. Yeah. And it's got the screeching. So it's like all these bats coming out of a cave screeching. And mm. it, I don't know. I just. I loved it. It was just like, it was like, we were about to, we were about to see something go down. That was about to be pretty ferocious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for real. And, oh, it is such a cool sound design that they came up with for this. And I, you're so right. I never saw it that way, but absolutely. It's literally bat screeching. Now I've always been kind of confused 
when he starts the car and then all of a sudden stalls like how what happened there do you think like he starts the car to move forward a second then it just kind of stalls everybody's able to then run to their cars (laughs) do you think do you think the car actually stalled or is he giving them a second to get in their cars what do you think i i I lean more towards the car stalled and it was a it was no crap moment for batman (laughs) (laughs) kind of probably been a little while since he's uh driven a vehicle like that (laughs) (laughs) kind of like uh anakin at the beginning of the pod race in phantom menace when he uh he he floods the engine too fast he's so excited he floods the engine he needs a second um but uh yeah but then a car chase ensues um uh amy i have never been a fan of car chases they always bore the hell out of me i just don't care like they're just not exciting to me this is the first car chase scene in a movie that I have loved. I absolutely love this car chase. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, again, is another scene that I like how realistic the car chase is. There's traffic. There's construction cones. There's exits. There's oncoming traffic. There's honking. There's screaming at each other. It's 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 so realistic to it. And the music behind it and all the noises and the camera angles too, mm. like seeing it from the side, seeing it from you're in the vehicle, seeing it from the windshield. It's just, oh yeah, everything about this this scene was fantastic to me. Yeah, um, yeah, all the all that the sounds you're indicating that just make it feel even more real to me. It's just a typical day driving in Boston, but um, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, what's so neat is so with the behind the scenes of this car chase, they actually rented out. Um, an airport and they use uh or is it a race it's either a racetrack or an airport but it is a closed circuit they brought in the street lights but they and they added in a bunch of extra drivers and stuff but it's in a controlled environment um the rain is all fake like they they bring that in as well like it's actually not a rainy day um the stunt drivers are all real and like you indicated they they mount cameras on different angles of the car to give it this really gritty realistic look um I think my favorite part about the whole car chase, though, is just how relentless Batman is. Um, you know, every time Penguin feels like he might have a second to breathe. Nope. He looks up here. Uh-huh. Here he comes screeching through. And something I learned while I was reading the the art of the Batman book, um, when the way Batman builds this Batmobile is it's right because he rams into him multiple times. He has all this armor like he has this front loaded armored bumper, but the entire back of the car is completely unarmored. And the the reasoning behind that from the, the designers was he's Batman. He doesn't think about anybody ever getting behind him. He's only worried about pushing forward. I just thought that was a really cool design. So the car is all. It's all front heavy, kind of like me in the workout world. I'm all top heavy. What's <laughs> what's leg day? Um, <laughs> Don't skip leg day. <laughs> yeah, I try not to, um, but I'd rather just push forward like Batman. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was a really cool caveat. I don't think I would have noticed it otherwise. But yeah, I mean, when you get those shots from behind the car, it's pretty much just the exposed engine. I mean, everything in the back is relatively exposed because he puts all the weight in the front for the purpose of ramming. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like, you know, Peng- and and we can't cut out Colin Farrell's Penguin scene in this either. He is just, he is on top of this role. He has like full on mob boss kind of vibe going on. And he's like, yeah, come get me, come at me. And like, yeah, hit me, hit me. You're not going to get me. And, you know, like when the accident happens and you, you hear him start laughing, he's like, I got you, <laughs> I got you. And then he sees the Batman come over the thing. And it's like, you just see this expression change in his face. Like, oh, what the heck? <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> The, the 
Rob's performance um, in in the car as he's chasing is also incredible. There's a there's a point. Um, I should have grabbed the timestamp just in case people wanted to see it, but you might know what I'm talking about. Um, he we get a shot inside the car. He's accelerating. He kind of like gears up, and you it shows the speedometer, and then it's a close up of his face, and he literally like snarls, like he does this little lip curl snarl. Um, it's just so cool to me because again, he is just this this wrathful force um, that even even in the quiet of his car, like he is he is a bat out of hell to use your expression quite accurately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I haven't noticed that car. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. But, you know, it, he just it just shows he he's vengeance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is who he is right now. Yeah, he can't be stopped. No. Um, well, and then kind of closing out this section of the movie for us is an incredibly iconic shot that they set up, which is upside down. We get, we're getting this from uh, penguins POV Batman appears to be hanging upside down like a bat, the flames behind him, you know, really cool, really cool playing of his, his theme there. Um, And then, and then we get the kind of low angled shot from behind him, you know, the thump of the boots as he approaches the penguin. I, this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie is just watching the boots come up while penguins upside down. And, you know, it's, you see the rain, it's raining real rain. It's raining fire behind him. And he, and vengeance is approaching you while you're seeing all this happen behind him. And like, there's explosions and fire and all the red and the darkness of the scene and um, him just turn sideways and look at the penguin and it's just, you know, that's got to be a moment. I don't care who you are. That's got to be pretty terrifying, even even if you're the penguin at that moment in time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think, yeah, and do you think he's, um, do you think the penguin's scared? I think so, because at that moment he's helpless. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, well... <laughs> That's kind of that kind of brings us to the end of this 20 minutes. There's a lot in this 20 minutes. Um, you know, uh, was there was there, you feel is there anything we're missing, Amy? Anything we didn't touch on that that we that we need to grab quick before we before we sign out? Um, you know, I can't really think about anything. It's just it, it was a good combo of seeing seeing who people are and, mm. and just the action packed. Yeah. Back of this and, you know the conversation for the next episode we pick up on with the, with the penguin and Jim and Batman is just fantastic too. So I, I'm excited to talk about that. I'll keep my mouth shut for now, but I look forward to it. Oh yeah, me too. I, I, I also do. Um, well then if that's the case, Amy, I think we can, we can bring this fourth chapter of the bat and cat podcast to its close. Um, this has been, as we said, chapter four, I Only Trust You of the Batcat Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can always email us at batcatpodcast at gmail.com. And we're on Instagram at batcatpodcast. Um, so, yeah, Amy, we'll be back in, in uh, no time to talk the next 20 minutes of the Batman. So on behalf of Amy, I'm Carl. And we'll see you next time here in the Bat and the Cat Podcast. Bye.